Hello there, this is David Hayden Jones, otherwise known as Mr. Ketch on Supernatural, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to the latest Legion Review Podcast. I'm your host, Craig McKenzie, and I've assembled the trips to talk about the penultimate episode of Season 1, Chapter 7, where answers are provided as David tries to understand the truth. We have a full house again this week with both Chris and Aaron. Hello, Chris and Aaron. Hello, too many people in here, I can't think. And Chris. Hello. How is Chris? Chris is very good. Excellent. Craig is also good, just good. So, Chapter 7. We're one away from the end. We've made it. Nearly. Yeah, nearly. Nearly. Very nearly. Um, Before we launch into the spoiler territory, does anybody have anything kind of non-spoilery to contribute? I do, and you need to get your swearing cannon out, or whatever you're going to use to cover this up. Because um, I was listening to the previous podcast, and my reaction to me getting homework was... (laughs) So, so yes, you will need... Cover that word up, but I have done my homework. Wow, you've done homework. <laughs> because, but I found that somebody else has done all the heavy lifting for me, so I really didn't need to do much homework. But I can confirm that it is not just 70s music in this TV series. Now, in fact, you can guess how many decades of music has been used across this, this uh, across Legion. How many decades do you want to give? Four. Why not? Five. <laughs> right, we both wrong. It's six. So there you six go. Six decades of music. Wow. Yeah, everything from, from the sixties up to the modern day uh, right. has been used to to create the atmosphere of this piece. So now that you've lamented the need to do homework, was there anything else before uh, launches into spoilers? Nope. Good. Okay, Chris. Nothing for the spoiler-free section. Me neither. I just want to tear this apart and and spoil everything. So, without further ado, let's go there. Okay, we're free to talk. So, thoughts on this episode? Aaron, you go first. I enjoyed getting the answers, I think. And I am pleased to report that I did not find this in any way akin to Lost, which was my big fear, and that has been assuaged. <laughs> okay. Well, why would it be like Lost? Well, that was my, when we were talking about Chapter 5, and right. they were on the, the, just on the edge of, of their reveals. And we were talking about how in Lost, when they started to come to the point of the reveals, they actually just said, oh, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We're just making up as we go along. And I feared that this show would be so wacky in its reveals that it would end up in that, you know, that, that just sort of crazy lie. Anything's good. The fans will just eat it up anyway just because it's wacky. But no, they actually have really nailed everything down this episode and pretty much given us all the answers and everything was, I think, believably written as a single coherent piece. And I'm very pleased about that. Oh, well, fair enough. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think uh, it's clear that the writers know what they're doing with the show. They've had a plan from day one and it's sort of 
it's been working its way up to this point, and now we're getting to the point where things are starting to fit into place. I mean, the randomness of the previous episodes is still what it is, but the kind of through line kind of works, or it's completely works. Te- it's flavour, though, now, isn't yeah. it? I mean, the the use of the silent movie is in there for a reason to do with the scene itself, not because it's trying to introduce more mystery. Yeah. You're in someone's brain, so you can do whatever you want, basically. that That's the kind of thing they show with sequences like that. Mm. Chris, what are your general thoughts on the episode? Yay, answers! We've got answers to <laughs> questions! It's yay! And they even explained it on a blackboard. I felt like I was back at school. <laughs> it was... <laughs> I was like, now sit down and pay attention, because this bit's very important. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was a, a good episode. It was great, like like Aaron saying, you know, we're getting answers, finally, and it doesn't seem like they came up with it on a fag packet at the end of the day, so... <laughs> And, and there's bits that have been in there and been hinted at all the way through that I didn't quite piece together until now. So, yeah, I'm ve- very pleased. Well, I'm pleased that I predicted who the villain is. Uh, I was dead right, the Shadow King. Uh, they even named him, one of the names I, I advised to look out for last week, the uh, Farouk one. Um, Spotted. Was, yeah, because um, I was kind of... Actually, that you gave me what I thought was an incredibly overlong... Um, round of applause last week just for getting Oliver turning up. In, if you were to continue these rounds of applause in proportion to the size of the reveal, you're probably going to have to play about five minutes worth of applause now for yourself, which might be just a bit too egotistical. I'm not going to do that, but I might self-indulge with, with an old applause for me. I'll pretend all right. that all the voices in my head are quite happy with me at the moment. Yeah. Flowers yeah. at you as well. <laughs> you like me. You really like me. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I actually didn't expect it to be explicitly revealed as the Shadow King by name, though. I actually more expected it to be, this villain is a lot like the Shadow King. But no, they just went for it. Straight in there. Adaptation, proper adaptation. Nothing about that character, though, he says, as if he knew anything about that character. There's nothing about the Shadow King that couldn't be used, though, is it? It's not been used before. It's not got a power set that would be um, horrible for people to watch because it's too sensitive in some way. Yeah. I quite like Carrie's reaction to the reveal, though. He was like, well, of course, it must be the Shadow King. You know, where did you hear about this? I did find that slightly strange. I was like, how does this character know? And that that would be an interesting backstory as well, was how did they find out about it in the first place? Yeah. Maybe he's written in books, you know, ancient texts and stuff. You know, he's been around for a long time or whatever. It's That's kind of something that Carrie would read, right? Well, the suggestion is that he would he would know about it from Xavier fighting him, presumably. Yeah, presumably, yeah. Um, assuming there's that link back there, yeah. We have to talk about that, though, and I can't make up my mind how we can be right at the start of 
mutants being revealed and there being a mansion built. And then if they're going to have this really super powerful telepath and Xavier being there in the background, how is he not at the forefront of this? How is he not generally known by them? Why haven't they mentioned it before? Oh, we've got this big house. Yeah, we built it together, the two of us. Never any mention of, oh, and there's this other guy who's built his own mansion somewhere else as well. It, it, It feels like it should have come up if he's that powerful but I get the vague impression that um, Xavier doesn't really want to be anywhere near the, the Shadow King because that's why he gives up David in the first place to kind of protect him from that and not have that pass on to another telepath but how come Melanie or or Carrie hasn't spoken about these other powerful mutants that are out there I mean is is, is Xavier just in hiding and it, it just feels like this. I do want it to be Xavier. I think it fits all up rather nicely. But I have no idea how this small group of mutants is going to fit into a wider scheme. Now, my, my theory is that Xavier fell out with them because he didn't like the Art Deco design of the house and wanted something more traditional. <laughs> but I'm they kept the that window that fit. They, they kept that circular window that fitted exactly the the uh, the, the wheelchair wheel. So, <laughs> How could he possibly have fallen out with him? <laughs> yeah, the the wheelchair imagery was quite explicit. You know, it was his wheelchair. It must uh, be. Yeah, I had the I had the X um, on the wheel and everything. So uh, it's a a big question why where Xavier is and what he's doing and why he's um, why he's near the or why he's not with these people or not involved. Um, the falling out seems to be a decent idea but I wonder if it's just that the characters haven't mentioned this to David yet because they don't want him to know about his birth father or something then they wouldn't need to do all this memory stuff with no. him because yeah. somebody would know surely or somebody would say something or they have a chat behind the scenes we mustn't tell David but we think it's this you know and maybe that's still to come who knows I suppose but yeah, I mean, it's an open serious. question. It doesn't need to be any more than an open question at the moment, though. No. The series has earned its trust such that if they wanted to build on that later, I believe they could do it competently. Yeah, and you're assuming that it fits into the X-Men film universe as well. It might not. It might be a different version of Xavier. In which case, he could be in hiding. And yeah. that's perfectly believable. As I, say, I think they've earned enough rope there to, to, to let us play it out. But... I imagine we won't find out more until season two, unless someone has filmed an uncredited cameo that we don't know about. And that feels like something that would get out. I think it would be pretty cool if the the rescue at the very end uh, came from Xavier. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be pretty cool as a a final bit. Who got him out? A jet just turns up. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or or they'll do the really teasery, annoying thing where you see the jet taking off and flying away, but not who was on it. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the potential there. And uh, Dan Stevens did a little sneaky Patrick Stewart esque impression yeah. <laughs> uh, when he when he was talking about it as well. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought that whole sequence was quite bananas. He's just in a coffin talking to himself, who the other version speaking in an English accent for some reason. I, I just thought that was brilliant because it's, it's yeah. Dan Stevens talking as Dan Stevens to the character, <laughs> which I just thought was very funny. And it helped us easily tell the difference as well. I mean, obviously, it's that it's that shorthand, isn't it? Oh, this one is this version. This one's this version. But absolutely, oh, yeah. And then 
as you said earlier, Chris, the chalkboard bit was brilliant. Yeah, I loved the the animations and the the different chalkboards with the the different frames on them. It's kind of like the panels of a chalk a chalk comic book. I'd give that scene um, even more recognition as well. I mean, everything you've just said, I totally believe in. But there's a there's been a couple of points in this series where. I felt slightly let down, only in relative terms, not let down totally, but where the the excellence of some of the scenes has, has not been matched when they've suddenly gone into exposition. I think the biggest yeah. one in my mind was Carry Carry Exposition. There was no reason for somebody just to turn around and go, so how's your other half doing? It was just a bit weird. Yeah. When, especially when they've actually done some exposition, like the chalkboard scene, where they really put a lot of effort into disguising it. I mean, that was pretty much, what, five, eight minutes of them just telling us what was true. But yeah. because they actually put it into a setup whereby the main character was learning it in a realistic, believable way, it's not exposition anymore. It is actually story again. Well, you I say really realistic. value that. <laughs> well, you it's say- <laughs> in his head. It's realistic yeah. for being in an ultimate dimension. <laughs> you know, I clearly, I'd bought into this astral plane well enough that when that was playing out, it felt like it was perfectly reasonable for that to be occurring in front of me. If they'd have said this is a normal schoolroom, then it would have felt like it was more obviously now we're supposed to realize that it's in their head and it's just a camera thing. Whereas, no, this is actually David getting bored with writing, realizing his powers can actually use a chalkboard much better than his hands can and just playing it out. Yeah. Yeah, the different frames that just kept the whole story going. And it was this, and it's almost this, okay, here's what I learned in episode one. Here's what I learned in episode two. And here, you know, here's episode three and so on and so on and so on. It's but you don't of, realize that. You don't yeah. notice it. At no point do I think, unless you're specifically trying to come out of it for a reviewing purpose, do, do you actually come out and think, well, episode one, episode two, three? You can if you want to. But if you're just in the moment, I don't think it occurs to you that blatantly. I think you can just enjoy it, therefore. Yeah, I enjoyed it for what it was. And it was a, a coherent narrative that I was able to follow, which was quite refreshing as well. Yeah. It's, it's quite nice to have some linear storytelling for a change. Well, this is the answers part of yeah. the season, so it's perfectly reasonable for that to come in. I wouldn't want this any earlier, though. I think it's exactly the right time to do it. It's 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 the penultimate episode. It's let's tidy everything up so that episode eight can be what it's supposed to be, the finale. Yeah. And the drawing even looked like Xavier as well. It had the baldy head and stuff. It did. And was wearing a suit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this this Patrick Stewart cameo could happen. Maybe not this season, but you know. I just liked the way that they they still the the panels were still animated in the background as they were moving about. Each story was playing out on a little loop in the background. I thought that was pretty neat the way it was done. Yeah, and such like, great attention to detail. Yeah, and the the timing of it I think is great because you've now basically got two big threats to fight in the final episode. Yeah. And it's quite good how you had this whole, um, he's stuck in a coffin, which, you know, obviously this is like, this is ridiculous. He's been buried alive. There's no way out of this. And then there's the whole easy realization that, nah, this is all in your head, mate. Let's, uh, let's sort this out. You can get out of here anytime you want. I think that was done in the right way, actually. There's, there's no reason why that should have been an easy realization for him earlier on. Yeah. Because you can so easily, uh, personal experience, 
get caught up in the emotion of a situation such that you stop thinking rationally. I mean, they actually hit that pretty hard saying, right, you're not capable of doing this, but your power knows what's needed. So it's going to summon your rational self for you. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> Let's talk. That, you know, that again, timing in episode seven, perfectly reasonable, but believably put off. I don't think the, 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 the delay of giving the final answer in that sense was bad because it did suit David's realization and the time it takes him to learn these things. Yeah, I did. I did like it. It was just, um, I quite like the whole not overcomplicating it side of things, you know, where it's just, this is all in your head. So let's start using it to your advantage. It was that kind of, it should have, it felt like it should have been easy, but obviously it wasn't because there was been so much going on in the background. But it's just this whole, let's, let's puzzle this out, take stock of it, and realize what's really going on here. There's actually a moment uh, just after that as well that I was almost yelling at the screen, wanting to happen, and then it did. And it was so relieving when it did, which is he's running around this mental hospital looking for his friends after just having this realization that he's in total control. I'm just thinking, why are you running around the rooms? Remove the walls. You can just go where you want, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then they do it a bit overly dramatically, but at least he does it. He just shatters the entire place yeah. and then he can go where he wants. But, but uh, I was pleased that they put that in because, you know, we would think that if we were in that case, that's what we would do. Yeah. And then he does actually do it. Yeah, it's kind of after he's walked through the door into the same room over and over again a few times. Yeah. Utterly yeah. pointless. And then he realises that it's utterly pointless. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Brilliant. Yeah, it's the kind of puzzled look on his face as it keeps happening and he's like, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's good that he's... Because this shows him getting to grips with his powers as well. And Heaven it, forbid what that means for for season two, but yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he does stuff. suddenly have a bit of mastery of it. You know, yeah. he, he was able to teleport them back at will, apparently, by the end of it. And catch bullets. And and catch bullets, yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting the catch bullets, which is a, a discussion. I don't know if we want to have the discussion about that room just now or not. Why not? Yeah. Why, why not? not? You want to dive right in? Okay. Go for it. I'm, I'm wondering, they, they are in the astral plane, and then they step out of the mirror, and they're somehow able to manipulate the real room without being in it at the same time. I'm wondering how that happened. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was there was some mention of being stuck in time or frozen in time, and, and that moment was kind of malleable and things. That, so, that I understand, but I don't yeah. understand how they were able to manipulate it. Being stuck in a slow time frame, I understand, but how they were able to change it without being in it, and how some stuff moved slow and fast and was able to get pushed around. And well, I, I had two. Sorry, I was going to say I had two two things come to mind on that and why it didn't it didn't stick as a a sore thing in my head i think was because of these two things firstly they presented it all as a coming together because at the very end you get that explicitly where carrie his his spirit actually merges back into his body and the, the room is starting to speed up so there's this point where the the astral and the real are coming together and there's possibly this fairy thing going on where the borders merge and bend a bit. So, you know, you're doing things in one, you're sort of doing things in the other as they're overlapping. But then secondly, I thought, perhaps more importantly, 
Oliver's in power was supposed to be doing something. Arguably, at base form, it was trying to give them the ability to interact with that world because they were saying, we can't move the people. We can't move the bullets. How on earth are we going to do that? And he steps up and says, well, I know a poem about this, children. <laughs> and he starts giving the, you know, he's given his music yeah. and the music doesn't actively do anything that you can see it moving the bullet, it moving a person, but it's clearly interacting with the real world in some way. So you I think the numbers, it was supposed to be, yeah. supposed to be he, that he was, um, he was allowing the real world to be impacted from, from the astral plane. And he's supposed to have the same powers as David, or at least to some degree be of, of a power with David. So I could easily see that his ability was from the astral plane, we can affect the real world. So I think it was supposed to be an artistic combination of both of those. Discuss. I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. I mean, it's when you see the, the sort of the eye getting crushed and everything, I'm like, okay, so the, the astral plane is crucial. now affecting the real... Oh, that was a, a brutal way to go. He deserves <laughs> yes. it, but a brutal way to go. Um, being slowly folded in on yourself. <laughs> I was like, maybe maybe that's just a visual representation of what's happening in the astral like, plane. Nope, no, actually, he happened. actually folded in on himself. <laughs> I was like, oh. It's like, that's nice. I thought he would just sort of collapse or vanish in the real world. But no, no, he he just get crushed to pieces. But, but that's that um, overlap again, isn't it? What yeah, happens yeah. in the astral is happening in the real. It wasn't that way before before it was totally disconnected but as that scene is moving on though the the scenes are blurring and the astral merges into the real hmm. there's a, a slight issue with that in the terms of you know it's not something we've seen happen before this episode so it could head down a slippery slope of oliver can do anything and I mean, it's not happened yet because I think that we still don't know enough about the powers to, to kind of make the determination whether it makes sense or not. But it's it could be one of those things. Where, in this episode, now he can do this. You know, it, it could just be solving problems through new powers every week. Which but that was always was a problem with David, though, wasn't it? Because yeah. we always knew that David was going to be able to do that. I mean, when he gets his power, the story's over. There's a problem. Sorry, I've just yeah. solved it. What are you talking about? You know, I just click yeah. my fingers. Everything's just better. I mean, that that is going to be something that plagues this series all the way through. And if, so I think they have dealt with that already. The attack on the base in mm-hmm. one of the early chapters, you just see the aftermath where Lenny wins. Yeah. And the only reason that Lenny took any time over it was because she wanted a bit of fun, you know, yeah. but otherwise infinite power. Yeah. So and it was a great sequence and it'll be fine if we just see them doing it again. You know, if there's, if it's possible to do these things again, and if maybe there's some kind of other difficulties introduced that are you know, that make it not possible to do it all the time and stuff, it's it happens, you know, as we frequently say on Flash, where people are just as powerful as they need to be for the scene to happen, and it could fall into that trap. It could, but they've avoided it so nicely so far that I'm not worried yet. Yeah. Even with Oliver doing what he did which seemed to have some limitations. He couldn't just click his fingers. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't think he was mm-hmm. messing about when he said, I want to tell a poem and sing a song. I think he, he did have to do that in some way. I don't know I why he, he needed yeah, incantation. I, I think he was enabling other people to act as well. He wasn't really actually doing anything. 
because um, his interaction was limited, as you said. It was just, you know, when he was composing, other people managed to get moving again and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if it, he did say earlier in the episode, I think it was him that said it was going to need everybody. So you've got this whole team working together in this theme. But yeah, it, was, it seems like Oliver might need other people to do his interacting with the real world sort of thing. Which you know, would be a nice limitation. If he's on his own, he can't do it. I they, they could down that route. I think I don't think they are going to go down that route because they've just they've said he's like David. So I think it yeah. was more a matter of this is how the manifestation of a power that transfers across astral to real is going to work for all of them. Um, unless you're the Shadow King and you can do it a bit bit more direct, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's how they could write their way around it in the next series to make it that David's not as powerful, that in some way the, the sort of Shadow King entity within him helped him or enabled extra elements of his powers that he, he can't have by himself. Could be, yeah. It said that David's powers are David's and not from the entity. It could be that the entity in some way is able to enhance or has knowledge of his powers sort of beyond what he has. So. Or just no conscience. I mean, that's that's good enough. You know, um, David won't reach his full potential because he he has a conscience and won't will won't willfully do harm to others and things like that. They, they could go down that route as well. Well, yeah, you just agreed with Chris, so I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Aaron agreeing with you agreeing with me. Nice, instantly achieved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just on the subject of Oliver, the guy's bananas, like completely bananas. I can't think of any other word to describe him. Uh, just the. The spiel he was given at the beginning, where he was, it's my wife Asian, or, you know, um, and he just kept asking that because he remembers having an Asian wife for some reason. Well, yeah, he once dated an Asian girl and is mixing them up, yeah. um, I guess. I, I struggled with that a bit actually at the start, and I think they solved it for me when they kept going with it, but it, it was a bit of a tightrope at, at the when he was started talking about, oh, what's that word, dishes, instead of whatever word he was trying to say. Because yeah. I felt that was a bit callous. Because they've done, in episode, in chapter one, one of the things I thought was that they'd seemingly been much more careful with representing mental illness than a lot of other shows I've seen, where essentially they just say, right, if, you, if you're mentally ill, you just say stupid things that the audience for fine funny and that is so horrible that when they'd actually been that yeah that a bit more careful with with mental illness and I, I was really pleased but then they launched in this episode this chapter seven with him just putting in extra stupid words in and he just sounded like a knob <laughs> to be honest but then they did stick with it and they did show him having difficulty and so I think they recovered it, but I did have a trouble when the start, and he just sounds like like a like a clown, and then immediately cuts into using these really eloquent sentences, but occasionally just slips a bit of madness in. And I thought, oh, you should have jumped straight to that. Have him talking, but just without meaning to get something wrong or mistakes who somebody is, and it would be a much better handling of, of the mental illness. So I, I wish they'd just jumped to that rather than the nonsense. Well, is it not more that he's lost touch with reality rather than he's 
got a mental illness. You know, he's just been in there for so long. They say twenty years, I think. Um, that he's just he just doesn't know what's real anymore, and and that's why he makes all these mistakes. He's not even used to talking to other people. No, but the, he starts. He open the first part of it. He opens with, "I forget words." You're standing there on a dish, and mm. it, it's just this nonsense sentence that makes him look like a clown. And after he's explained to you, because he actually says this, he says something like, I have trouble remembering the words anymore. And then as soon as he tells you he has trouble with words, he then launches into this long paragraph where he remembers lots of words and doesn't have any trouble. But then they slowly start working in these little problems with words. And I'd rather them have just given us this much more delicate, much more sensitive, much more intelligent second part of that setup where he just simply does have trouble with words and because he's having forgetfulness he doesn't even really realize he could just stop and have trouble with a word or he could just Mm. ask about my wife this asian girl and then (laughs) carrie says no you're not married to an asian girl and it's it's this mistake but it's a it's a mistake that anybody could conceivably make in conversation I think the sensitivity of that is important when you're dealing with mental illness and that brief sojourn into clownish behavior. I didn't like now, as I say, they recovered from it. It was just a bit of the, it was just a tiny bit of the start of the chat, but as because I've raised this show to quite the bar, I think I do notice when little things come up that I don't like because they stand out because of all the things that I do really like. Yeah. Actually, um, I kept imagining the you know the actor from the IT crowd that plays the boss mm. playing in that scene when I was watching it, and uh, could you? I wonder how much more entertaining it would be if it was that actor. There's something to think about. Too clownish, I think, for me. Yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I see the parallel between him and the guy already, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I want it as it is. I don't want him in there. That's that means I can put the that... best of in the show notes again. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the element that I always find. <laughs> I just find that character distracting at that point. That I just keep picturing Matt Berry for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I just can't distract myself away from it. Um, it would make but, the serious scenes impossible, though, if it was him. I think. Yes. I mean, when it comes out, what what we need to do is just edit Matt Berry into it. Uh, and it would work. Completely that, that, work. That'd be, and it wouldn't seem off the wall, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Come here and sit on my giant hand. It just wouldn't <laughs> seem odd at all. Yeah. Uh, and it's then, kind of stuff he says, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, although I did, I mean, obviously it was quite expositional, but the, the way they did it was entertaining. Even uh, Aaron didn't get on with it as much as... Uh, Maybe I did. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty funny, and uh, and it gave us a lot, quite a bit of information. That's where we got the Shadow King stuff. But I loved it when Carrie went out into. I don't want to say the wider world, but you know when he went out into the rest of the, the astral plane or David's brain or whatever it is, and he speaks to Sid, and she completely understands what they need to do next without him having to tell her, and it kind of flips that where she explains it to him just as he's about to tell her. It's like the whole, you know, okay, first we need to do this, yeah, and then we're doing this. And we're, yeah, you're right, completely right. I thought that was a really good little reversal. It like, shows how much Sid is starting to understand everything. Well, you saw that last week where she was a good number of steps ahead of the others. Yeah. One that was sort of looking about going, no, this world isn't right. There's something wrong. Yeah. So sort of getting glimpses behind the curtain that everyone else wasn't quite seeing. Yeah. So it was... 
she was there and ahead. I mean, the the element of the the glasses that sort of turned the the world uh, black and white. I thought was was excellent. It was a nice little. It it was it was weird in the way that this program does, but the the fact that it sort of turned it into this black and white style, the the horror of the walls and everything stayed. I thought that they would put the glasses on, they would see a sort of normal plain wall, take it off, and then you would see the blood-stained, broken, shattered wall. Mm. But instead, it sort of it kept that element there. It just took all the people out, yeah. all those sort of external forces and noises out of the way. Yeah, and when I, it's I in colour, it's a zombie apocalypse, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I like that. And I thought it was quite a neat way of doing it. Rather the side, than, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the silent movie was great. Yeah, the little the sort of little silent movie placards coming up. I the thought. text boxes, yeah. It's like yeah. David <laughs> Yeah. It was brilliant. And everyone Those glasses, sort of... by the way, I think and they're really they were a nice use of tech. That, that, that I like that stuff when they got a bit clever with it rather than just having the screens in the sky. Yeah, you know, that that one still stands out for me as what the bloody hell. Mm-hmm. You know, that could have been anything. Whereas these little glasses were a nice clever addition. Um, that made sense. Yeah. They were they were they weren't really tech as such. Though. They were more of a, just an object inside the, the the mental space that you know that um, you know visualized seeing the truth. I suppose absolutely. Was, but they fulfilled yeah. that same purpose of yeah. you know we've come up with a way of solving this, and it, it's just a it's creative with the purpose rather than just chucking something out there. So yeah, the glass is really good. Yeah, and the fact that the eye could exist in both. Both sides as well. We just didn't care there was a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I just loved that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a shame that he's gone because it feels like there's something we don't know with all that. I think, like I said last week, I think he was the sort of villain of the piece that they needed to run throughout. You know, the henchman yeah. of the bigger bad that needed to be dealt with by the end, so that the the sort of boss will get away at the end. But the henchman got destroyed by it. You know. Yeah, it seems like he's going to be more than that early on, though. When he's talked about as the original student that got away because he had a change of philosophy, it made you think that he was going to come along. I think we even discussed it. So it wasn't me, Chris. Maybe that said he will show the other side of the argument to David, mm-hmm. and that, that now that's that's not in there at all. You know, Division Three are definitely the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's it feels like a bit of a waste to have him dispatched, but you know maybe he's not gone completely. Maybe there are other versions of him or something. I don't know. Um, it's hard I'm to please, say. But please, by the way, well, actually, I don't know. Now. Is Rudy dead? Answer me that. I don't know. You don't know. Well, I didn't want him to be dead because I thought he suffered unfairly in the previous episodes by being sent off red shirt into the distance to be killed, and then. Of course, he is still at least vaguely alive enough that he can pull Lenny back. Yeah. Um, And I thought, I'm glad he got something, given how (laughs) poorly he got treated by being a wardrobe. Why are you carrying that horrible shirt towards me? Sorry. (laughs) I think you saw him when, when they go back to Summerland and they get transported back. I think they were carrying someone. Oh, he's on the stretcher, definitely, but that suddenly yeah. made me think, is he on the stretcher because they're taking him back to be healed, or is he on the stretcher because they don't want to leave his body behind and they want to bury something? And I thought, oh, I don't know now. 
I, I was thinking it was for healed. I don't. I don't think they would carry him back if he was dead. I have that feeling, but I'm. I'm not too sure. I suppose we might find out next episode. Yes. Maybe not, but maybe. Well, I have my hope, as I say. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Don't, I don't, <laughs> don't want him to go out in that fashion. Yeah. Uh, I liked the use of Lenny or the Shadow King. We'll just call her Lenny for simplicity's sake, because uh, that's the character we've known her as most often, I suppose. Uh, I thought Aubrey Plaza was genuinely creepy in this episode, so, especially in the silent movie bit. You know, the the crazy eyes and the, the you know the dishevelled hair and stuff like that. She was she was hunting them down. That was um, was really well done. It was the mad- very, very, sorry, sorry. all right. It was the it was the mad scientist hair that was doing it for me. <laughs> the sort of maniacal look and the mad scientist. You know, you're expecting her to be throwing a massive lever on the wall and <laughs> sort of bringing Frankenstein's monster to life. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing. That's that's what it, it made me think of, sort of, seeing her in the black and white pictures. Yeah, and she was um, winding up uh, David's sister as well about the whole adoption thing. Uh, it suggests to me that there's something about that she wants to know. I mean, obviously, it must be getting back to Xavier. Well, there's a question that gets asked early on, I think, by Lenny, that I didn't follow. And I don't know if I missed it but maybe you got it. She asks, it's, it's like the third thing I've written, so it must be right, or it's after I noticed the ex-wheelchair too. So I think she says, what did he do with it? And I thought, what, is, what does it refer to here? Because you wouldn't say I it for that. David. Yeah. You know, so I thought, if, yeah, what is she after? What is she looking for? I don't know if it came back or not, or if I picked up on something that shouldn't have ever been there, but I it? didn't notice it Anybody? in the first place. Yeah. Um, it is I interesting. See, I think I probably wrote it off as are talking about David rather than than something in particular. If if I want to speculate, I would say if if, if there was a, a physical body the last time round, I would suggest they were thinking of the body. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Unless I she dehumanizes David that much that she just calls him it. Well he said what did he do with it? So I thought that yeah. he was David. Although I suppose that he could have been Xavier. Yeah. But no, I've got nothing. I just, I've only got that enough to bring out another did he, What did question. he do with it? Yeah. Because, yeah, it was very much around the adoption at that point, wasn't it? She was asking, when did David come to live with you? And, and yeah. what were your memories of that day and all that stuff? And she gets really frustrated and just yells out, what did he do with it? You know, and the, Amy's not going to have any idea whatsoever. Yeah, but it's but it's a frustration question rather than a real question. Oh, they did ask another bloody question. Oh. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, maybe we'll find out next episode. Who knows? Oh. Maybe I'll scour the internet to see if there's anything else. No, nah, I'm <laughs> not going to do that now, though. Um, we can leave it on the on on the animated chalkboard for next week and see if it comes up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, Aubrey Plaza was great because I mean she's always been good in this show, but the kind of way that she's starting to become a bit more unhinged as the as time goes on is is great to watch. Well, she's very feral in that black and white movie scene, yeah. which I struggled to think because I quite like to know the purpose. I thought, why black and white? What's the value here? And I was just wondering the same thing when I saw the silence in the chapter five, and I think it might have just been pure atmosphere. Yeah, as you say, they managed to get it such that she seemed really threatening, and when the crazy scientist hair was crawling across 
the floor at them in that very feral way, I think, it, yeah, it's it does add that strength of evil that comes with the pantomime villain, but twisted into the form of some horror movie that it was just, yeah, quite threatening to watch. So I'm I'm happy that that's all it was, but yeah, she was very good with it. <laughs> it's quite bizarre that they refrain from using the uh, the silent movie piano music. But that would have been too pantomime, I think, as it was where it's uh, using the cards. It was half of it, which takes away just enough of the silliness that you end up with comic horror. So you don't really think that it's so horrible that it's got some gore, but equally it's not too comic such that it's just a nonsense and there's no threat value, right? I think I I felt that if there was a line they were walking, I think they walked that perfectly and the piano move, it would have just twatted them off the side and they would have fallen. Yeah, I liked the music that they ended up using when Oliver started composing. That was, that was really cool. And how it was cutting between the black and white, the non-black and white, the astral plane, the real world, that kind of stuff. Oh, I meant to look that up, actually. What is that music? Because that's really famous, isn't it? So famous that I can't for the life of me remember what it is. <laughs> is, it yeah. the, the, is it the Sugar Plum Fairy one? Is it that? Um, of the Sugar Plum Fairy. I, 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 I re- wrote that down, but I didn't know if that was the actual piece or not. I want to say yes, but... That sort of... I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say yes. I'm gonna say you're right. Absolutely, I can't. And, I and, I, and I'll be corrected next week when someone goes, yeah. "Oh, you were completely wrong." Yes. Uh, it's... <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm stalling you while I look it up. <laughs> and you're stalling. Um, and yeah. Stalling. I don't. I don't know. That's the. Answer. This 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 gap will be edited out later, and Craig will come on and go, "No, you're correct," or he'll go, "No, you're completely wrong." It is of course. Yeah. Well, talk, you, talk you keep talking. Stuff. Well, you keep talking because the heavy lifting that I did for last week's homework, by the way, (laughs) has given me me the website that will actually provide this information. Is it called TuneFind, perchance? It is in in fact called TuneFind, yes. (laughs) Are you on there right now? I'll be Bolero. It's the one that Torval and Dean uh, did. Oh, that's exactly it. Yes. Oh, thank you for doing that. God, I'm just annoyed now that I wrote the word Sugar Plum Fairy down and not Torval and Dean. Uh, <laughs> uh, edit that in and give him the correct name. Brilliant. There we go. Then a round of applause. No. Um, hey. Yeah, like the world's smallest. If you've got the world's smallest <laughs> round of applause, I'll put in a slow you clap. Get on an open mic night when only half the people turned around to look at you, that that kind of applause is what it is. I will do, I will do the, uh, the slow clap. <laughs> So, Bolero, um, that's what it is. Uh, I didn't know that's what it was called. Um, I wonder what the Sugar Plum Fairy thing is then. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll find out what it is and I'll put it in the show notes. To find out. That's my classical music knowledge there. That's why I don't do the classical music programs on a Sunday. Ah, Shameless plug. I like it. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, And the... The way they subdue the Shadow King or Lenny or whatever it is, um, it came back to that crown thing again. You know that uh, that device that that Carrie built and put around his head, and somehow that 
puts her in the the figurative coffin. Well, you as in you don't like that? We no, no, or... um, no. I thought it was um, that was quite interesting. I mean, it's one of those I've just magicked up this uh, this piece of tech that's going to solve everything, and it breaks the connection to the entity for some reason. It, it kind of works. It works in the sense of this is what it's going to do. But I'm glad that it, that isn't the solution to the problem because that would be rubbish. I think if a man can build his own imaging machine in a random building in the middle of a forest, then building something that can interact with brainwaves and separate them doesn't seem too weird and out of the question. Don't yeah. don't think the the sky screen projector that he also. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> can do whatever he damn well pleases. Yeah, yeah. I so thought they, it was more. I present to you the untested machine uh, <laughs> that may or may not actually work, or may or may not separate the wrong entity. Um, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, you know something that would happen in Flash in some ways, where Cisco would just be like, "I've just come up with this thing that's going to solve the episode forever." Um, yeah, but as you say, it wasn't that bad. It was just, no. no, here's how we can get you to a point where you can actually have a fight because you've got your separate identity, which is yeah. what they needed to do. And then there was the bit where it was like, uh, I don't know if this thing's strong enough, so uh, please don't move around too much. And, nice. Yeah. I had a bit of a disturbing image in my head, actually, towards the end. It might have even been one of the last shots that I don't think was intentional, but... I've just been tuned over the years as a film watcher to look for it, which was there's a man who has lots of power, who has this odd looking circlet on his head with pointy bits. And then all of a sudden they played, a, they put a, a really strong blinding light coming from behind him. And oh, I thought, I know. I know you didn't mean to make that parallel. Surely you didn't. But as I say, I'm so attuned to looking out for those things now that I couldn't help but see it. Maybe David is the be. mutant messiah. Exactly. I, he can't yeah. be that. I'm sure that's not purposeful, but no. but it, I couldn't help but go there. Well, that makes Xavier a god, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> given how much reverence you've given to the character in the early episodes <laughs> of this podcast, I could see that you might not be too offended by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was... I guess it was the thorny, almost a thorny crown, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that um, thing myself. Maybe I just didn't let myself see it. I'm just hoping mutant Jesus isn't a thing that they do. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they did. I think it was just, um, actually, it was just in my head. Yeah, I did like the whole calm before the storm part at the end. You know, it was this. Um, everything seemed resolved. You could almost end a season there. You know, like, okay, we've got a handle on this. Everyone's out. Oliver's back in the real world. We're in the Institute. Everyone's happy. And then it just, everything just goes mental. You know, where the Division 3 show up, um, the coffin cracks, presumably because David's put under a bit of stress and he's maybe ready to use his powers. Well, the machine just isn't perfect, is it? Yeah. He, his, David didn't put Lenny in the coffin. which. Uh, it was the machine that did it, so it just doesn't have to be as strong or as or as capable as he could be. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they'll all be locked up in Division 3 next episode and David will be fighting Lenny in his head. I think they've got to do what Chris said at the very start of this, what we opened with. They've set up two conflicts. They've got a physical mm-hmm. conflict and a mental conflict, but I th- part of me thinks they're going to have to play them out because it's the finale that 
I don't think I would want to go from one high point straight to a low. I think I'd want them to just carry on from where they've they've set off. I, w- I want to see what happens when they're presented with that fight. Yeah, well, presumably David could just kill them all, you know, in, in a fraction of a second. But he'll be distracted by Lenny. So yeah. they'll be saying, get us out of here. And he'll be, no, my head. And they'll all, everybody will have to do something. It's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's classic plotting where yeah. you give everybody something to deal with that fits their own ability level. So they've pitted the two strong mental powers against each other. And then they've pitted everybody else against a physical threat. I think I want to see it. I don't think I want them to just, then do a standalone episode where they have to somehow get out of the base. And that would be a bit dull. Here's an interesting theory. What if Sid swaps bodies with David so that uh, he can do something outside and she can deal with Lenny? Could be. Crackpot theory. Can can she deal with Lenny? That seems a bit unfair. Well, maybe not deal with her. Just distract her for long enough. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, assuming that Lenny doesn't follow David around, um, or even if she does, um, she could follow him into Lenny's head when his consciousness moves, and then Sid could use his powers. In theory, if Lenny breaks out and is in control uh, at the point where they're captured, who would Lenny side with Ooh. over Division Three? Or the others, because I, I have don't the think anyone. If she's, I don't think she would uh, overall ally with anyone. But I think if her goal was just uh, keep keep David's friends locked up and away from him or dead, and I get the body back, hmm. I think she would make make some sort of deal with Division Three in a way. But whether that will actually happen or not, I don't know. Interesting theory, yeah. It's possible. Yeah, you lock these up, and I'm going to move to Mexico or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will help you if I, if I decide it, or if I'm going to be an overlord, I'll be an overlord using your secret organization yeah. <laughs> to do so. Yeah. There's um, one thing I saw that made me think they might do a more go to the base and then have to break them out thing that I've said I probably wouldn't like, but but I think could be viable, which is the Kerry. Carry connection where she says at the end I needed you and you left me that feels like it's a setup for something which well, one of could them. be then in the last episode where that bond has to be forged again somehow well we'll have a crackpot theories cool yep. <laughs> Always, I love a crackpot theory it's good to speculate and then be proven wrong the next week absolutely the show could just go in a wildly different direction for the last episode. We just don't know. It seems like it's heading one way, but it might not. I am expecting a proper big Bollywood finish, though, by the way, because I've seen <laughs> lots of... They opened with a dance number that was, I think, it's for the funds, really, that chapter one was. Mm-hmm. But slowly the use of the, the dance and the music has been put to much greater purpose throughout, especially, and I missed it, uh, talking about last week, the uh, Lenny's dance number where she was celebrating the freedom of David's mind. I think that was one of the best ones they've had. But I think they have to trump that next week with a massive 
finishing Bollywood <laughs> song and dance, defeat of Lenny by the power of music and song. <laughs> I'd be up for that. I think that would work. Dance off to save the universe. That's yeah, I want to see that. I will not be happy unless I do anything less. How, how do we decide who gets control of your body? We'll have a dance off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Whoever has the best rhythm wins. <laughs> We've done everything else. They've done beat poetry, silent movies. Bollywood was the first dance. I mean, they've ticked so many boxes. X Factor or whatever it is could be the last one they've not done. It could be. Yeah, they could do some kind of old-timey musical thing. That would be... Yeah, they haven't really done that. Don't forget Muppets on the banjo. Yes, the Actually, yeah, yeah, they've ticked most of the other boxes. There's, no, there's nowhere else for them to go. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine there will be some kind of big musical finish of some sort because music has played a big part in this series since it began. And in such a good way. So, yeah, yeah, hopeful for it. The musical choices have always been very effective and very careful, I think. Yeah, on that note, have we covered everything? Uh, Is there anything we've missed or anything that wants to be added? I was just uh, annoyed with myself at not putting uh, Shadow King and King the Dog together in my head before it was explicitly said during <laughs> the episode. Well, I only mentioned the Shadow King a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? But at no point did I click and go, oh yeah, the dog's called King, isn't it? No, I completely like, forgot no, the dog not, was not, called Not King. at all. I forgot the name of the dog and it annoyed me to the point where when it said in the episode, went, oh, why did I not pick that up? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Carrie had the same problem. He was like, of course the dog's called King. It yes. must be the Shadow King. It's, it's a bit of a leap, but okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't really have anything else to add. I think I've covered everything that I, th- I thought of. I'm looking forward to seeing how this wraps up. I have no idea how it's going to wrap up, but I'm interested to see it. Uh, I think covering the season in this way has been worthwhile so far. I mean, we'll, obviously, we'll reiterate this next week when we give it the big goodbye, when we do her own, our own Bollywood musical number. We're not doing that. No, this doesn't count as homework because you said it in the session while I'm here, so I don't <laughs> have to do this. I was here. Oh, you're here to defend yourself. It's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aaron, anything to add? Oh, no. You've, you've, we've, we've covered what I want from last episode. I'll, I'm happy to leave it on that. Big Bollywood number. Big Bollywood number. Okay. We'll close on... We won't close on a song, but the episode might, or the season might. So... If that is everything that everybody wanted to say, um, I'll close this off and we can return back to our normal lives. That'll be a yes then. That'll be a definite (laughs) yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, Chris, as always, thanks for joining. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Aaron, thanks for joining. Thank you. And we'll have a full house for episode eight. All going well. Yes. Good. I like it when we have a full house. It's a small team, but an important team. It's a small house. It would be a shame if there were too many of us. Yes. Okay. Well, I bid everybody good night. Until next week. Good night. No. <laughs> good night and, and good morning and, and good evening. And have a nice lunch and enjoy right, your this, drive. This- this thing now has more endings than the final Lord of the Rings movie, so call it. <laughs>
is it, cool. is this the post credit sting now, or is this <laughs> no, the no, pre post credit sting, or is this the <laughs> mid credits sting? At which point on the podcast do the credits roll at the end? Um, it'll be after this. There'll be no post credit. But I was just giving everyone a chance to say goodbye to our loyal and faithful listeners. Bye, loyal and faithful listeners. Au revoir. Goodbye. That was our discussion of Legion Chapter 7. One more to go, and we'll be right here next week talking about it. Thanks to 331 Rock for the supplied music, and as always, if you like what you heard here, please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcast. I hope you'll join us in the next Meal Before Pod. (laughs) 